All right, I'm starting the recording now, and we all Chakri three are here. Before you wreck yourself, okay. Chakri, check yourself okay. before you wreck yourself. All right, I'm, we I'm have back. new intro music. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's our new intro music. Wow. Okay. I guess third time is a charm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Liz. No, whatever. Um, okay, greetings, and that was unenthusiastic. I'll do it again. <laughs> Sorry, greetings, and welcome to What's the PhD Podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific PhD process for folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, folks thinking about getting a PhD, or even, or even people just curious about what it's all about. You can check out our website associated with us at realphdeal.com, R-E-A-L, phdeal.com. We would love if you email us um, at our group email, phd. Uh, oh my goodness, phdealmail. I think I can spell that. Phdeal mail, m a i l. I got that last part. It is in at the show gmail. notes. Yep, it's, it's in-, in the show notes. So I should stop spelling it. Um, <laughs> feel free to send any comments, criticisms, or things you loved about the podcast, things you didn't like so much, questions. We're definitely open to uh, answering any questions you might have and you know, building episodes around those. So we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and also just a quick disclaimer, uh, the following podcast reflects only our views as individuals and is no way meant to represent any of the views of our um, affiliated institutions or organizations. We also promise to do our best in giving helpful advice, but of course, you know, we admit we don't always have the perfect or maybe correct answer every time and we might not even agree amongst ourselves so take everything we say with a kilogram si units of salt Holla. we also <laughs> very important uh asterisks so we are mm-hmm. also science or engineering phds so you know that's uh one type of phd right uh so we will concentrate on that kind um but i'm sure there's you know kind of themes throughout all phds that might be relevant to others in uh, different disciplines so with that, I will introduce the uh, panel, the, the PhD crew, Lou. What's up? <laughs> and Raj. Well, what? And Lou, if you, did you want to say a, a quick um, shout out to Elias and... Yes, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> most definitely. First, first yeah. off... Uh, Let's let's pipette out some solvent for our well, what? Our homie, uh, for homie Alex is not here. Uh, he, he's not here here with us today, but you know he's here in spirit and his his wonderful, effervescent, uh, uh, smiling, wonderful spirit. Yes, his uh, his joy is just uh, ever present uh, here. But uh, and and on a more somber note, uh, our hearts go out to um, uh, you know uh, our. Our our family, our, our our people, like our our fellow man over in um, uh, Lebanon, uh, hearts go out to them. It's a horrible tragedy and and something that uh, you know. Uh, of course, Elias is uh, Lebanese, so I'm sure it's uh, you know uh, near and dear to him. But it's near and dear to everyone, and and it's something. When these kinds of tragedies happen, it it joins us all together as humans, and it makes us remember that. Uh, I I like to think of Einstein, who said like. Remember your humanity, forget the rest. And I think that's kind of, you know, we're all together on this and, and much love. And that's all we can do in this uh, terrible crisis. So uh, so shout out to Elias, shout mm-hmm. out to Le- Lebanon, uh, shout out to our our, uh, our brothers and sisters out there. And, uh, and mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, 
lots of love. I agree. I share the sentiment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. Yes. All right. Well, I guess with that, I could rewind a little bit and also introduce myself. I'm Liz. <laughs> yes. What's and... up? The bomb, <laughs> diggityest host ever. What's up, Liz? <laughs> and yes, and as Lou is alluding to, I am hosting this episode. Um, so, right. What is the episode? The episode is about working at a U.S. national lab. So I thought we could just kind of start by saying, you know, what is a national lab? What is it all about? Um, what do we even mean when we say national lab? Um, so I'll start kind of with my uh, understanding and how I think about it. Um, so the national lab system in my, like, yeah, kind of how my brain separates it is there's these government-owned, contractor-operated national labs like um, Oak Ridge, PNNL, Pacific Northwest National Lab, um, uh, Lawrence Livermore, Los Alamos, Sandia. These are, you know, these big labs that um, have some contractor that wins um, this big bid to, you know, run this laboratory and uh, pay the, the scientists and staff that um, work there. Um, but the facilities themselves are all owned by the government. So there's that kind of lab. And then there's these, you know, direct fund, uh, federally owned and operated labs like um, Army Research Lab, Air Force Research Lab, uh, Naval Research Lab, NIST-ish is maybe a, maybe mm -hmm. not a national lab. Yeah. I'm not sure if people would consider it that, but I, I kind of group it in there. Um, and it's an so, yeah. extension, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They do research there, so lab. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this, is, this is my kind of understanding of a national lab. Does anybody... Have anything to add to that or other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's, I think, a, a perfect encapsulation of, of the national lab system. But uh, just to add a little bit more to it, like when, when I think of the national lab and I just think instantly of, of the Manhattan Project and, and how that's kind of where the whole thing started, right? Like it's like what, um, you know, the yep. national lab system yep. came about, yeah, as this like secret project, the Manhattan Project, where... <laughs> where it was during World War II and we're trying to uh, get to a nuclear bomb before the Nazis, basically. And and it's just like a huge scientific effort to, to basically do that. And then uh, once the war was over, you know, you had all these, you know, um, th these these places where you can get uh, science to happen, all these scientists and all that. And it's like you had the system in place and then they were like, you know, and I don't, this, this is me thinking, I like, just like pretending what, what they're thinking, but like, hey, let's just roll with it. Like, uh, I'm sure there's something to that effect <laughs> in there, but but it, it's it's a great idea because to me it's like you know uh, the national lab kind of is nice. It's not like academia. It's not like industry. It fulfills its own role, mm -hmm. kind of. It's a government role, right? And it's and you know it's not like um, academia, which is tends to veer more towards the uh, uh, basic research or even just you know just having space and 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 freedom to kind of pursue. You know projects for the for for the for the actual science of it and you have the industry who's like just trying to use science to have short time frames to get some product out that can make the money right because they're industry and then and then you have the national lab which is you know either handling issues for the government that either of those two systems can't really do or or, or do it but the national lab brings something else to the table right yeah so True. yeah yeah so you have like the, the the classic example is uh, Los Alamos and how 
they're in charge of our nuclear stockpile, right? You don't want yeah. um, DuPont in charge of nuclear stockpile. You don't want you don't want a for-profit agency. You want this is a government thing to do, right? You this is a really serious thing that you want them to check every fuse, and you want them to make sure they can run simulations and make sure that they work so that they. Um, you know, work properly and and they're safe and everything else. So the, mm-hmm. you know, this is mm-hmm. a this is a huge undertaking, right? So you cool. need a cool. lot of really uh, smart and and established scientists to kind of and engineers to kind of keep it going, and it, and it allows yeah. you to do some pushes, right? So like you know, uh, for me, I I remember when I was working on my PhD, I was working on um, fuel cells uh, for the beginning of my PhD, and it was kind of a cool project. I liked it, and that was like. Then 2008, you know, the Bush administration ends and then the Obama administration starts. And my advisor was like, okay, we're doing batteries now. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, what do you mean? Like, we're, we're doing fuel cells. We're getting like lots of cool results. Like, yeah, wrap it up into a paper. We're doing batteries now. Like, it's everything's batteries now. And I was like, and that's because, you know, the, the federal uh, government, like, or the administration, new administration comes in and they decide uh, what's getting funded. And so that trickles down to academia, but it especially, uh, like makes labs. an impact on national lab because like the, yeah then all of a sudden it's like okay we're no longer doing xyz we're doing abc and that's what we're, that's what this administration wants to focus on and then of course like good federal employees like the national lab scientists are like got it we'll work on that and make it happen and so that so mm-hmm. i see it as a as a way to kind of fit into spaces that that the other two places that you normally find scientists don't uh can't, can't handle certain things that, that that are necessary for the federal government to maintain its scientific progress in areas uh certain areas that 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 won't wouldn't happen otherwise that's okay. true yeah yeah right. and and in addition to that like sure uh there are there are directives that comes from that uh, each administrations uh for at the federal level but at the same time there are some scientific projects which is for example like fermilab uh where the the mission doesn't change really from administration to administration because it's it's the problem itself that they are tackling is so huge that it's is not a the time frame for that problem solving is just for generations <laughs> i Good mean call. yeah uh, right yeah. so it, it, it just maybe the budget structure might change or yeah but but so so basically yeah some projects like that like uh, or other projects like uh, climate change and yeah uh, some of them just stays similar and even yeah. just getting at the pnnl like we have because since we the Holla. main reason yeah main reason of pnnl like it, uh, the reason they started here uh, was to help out hanford site uh during manhattan project too and then once it was done they to clean up basically so that's been still going on uh and i feel like that's that's like a continuing core part of pnnl uh, and uh, um, dealing with the the nuclear waste and and coming up with different technologies and stuff like that. But in a way, essentially, like the all this national lab addresses like large scale complex yeah. research and development projects and yeah. challenges like and also most of the time it's like multidisciplinary research going on, and it's it's really cool the scale and and the teams that they usually work in, in a, any given project. It's it's anywhere from like a five people working on a small project to like 500. Yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very interesting uh, way of dealing with it because they are just 
go from like basic science to uh, innovation or new products or it's, yeah. it's a huge huge way uh, of dealing with uh, this complex larger than life kind of thing yeah yeah from from, from gravity waves to batteries right like yeah definitely yeah just to add one thing to um what roger was saying that um you know, he brings up a good point that I, like the and this is kind of what lou was also talking about with the you know world war ii origins you know each lab was started kind of to have their own mission area and you can yeah. kind of see this like look at a map of the u.s look at where these you know i'm, I'm thinking mostly the u.s department of energy national labs look at where That's they're right. placed around the u.s and you're like hmm <laughs> you know yeah P- yeah. yeah next to a river so is oak ridge like and what can you get from a river you get a lot of energy and what do you need that energy for i don't know certain certain national interest projects like <laughs> so there's that and then Oh, there's this thing in the desert. Wonder what they were doing out there. Like, <laughs> you know, they're strategically placed in, yeah. you know, regions of our country that were relevant for, you know, whatever mission they were focused on. Yes. You know, like, yes. INL is um, in eastern Idaho, and, you know, the footprint of that national lab is huge. There's so many sites. They've got a big test reactor out there. Um, but, you know, building test reactors probably not great near a major city so eastern idaho it is um so but yeah but historically they've been built around these core mission areas but i think since the cold war it's really branched out you know now like just at pnnl just because that's mainly my experience or most recent experience you look around and you know we've really expanded much more beyond um like that core mission of what we were originally, that's right. um, you know, kind yeah. of built for, you know, the Hanford project, right. You were mentioning batteries and I mean, that's we do a lot of cybersecurity, totally right? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of different mission areas. And I think you would find that at a lot of different labs. Of course, some have very focused, you know, mission areas, obviously like Naval research lab is funded by a certain agency. Right. But um, still their research is very diverse. You know, it's not just, you know, some, very specific niche area. Yeah. And and yeah. I would say if you are um, going to be, if you're hunkering, hankering to, to be part of the National Lab System, especially one that's part of the uh, early Manhattan Project days, good luck living in the middle of nowhere. Like that's because they're all like <laughs> hidden, you know, because they, they all had to like, they'll have this history of being a secret lab, right? So they, yeah. they usually find some like desolate, like middle, no- of course, uh, uh, cities and towns have grown up around these national labs uh, quite yes, a bit, but, yeah. but they're usually like, you go to Oak Ridge and you're like, uh, it, you're, you're traveling into the security gate and there's like, you're going through like a forest and you're like, it, it looks like almost like Batman-esque. You're just like, oh, I'm going into like a secret little like this road in the middle of like this forest and, and then all of a sudden it opens up into the lab and it feels kind of cool. And then you, you have like other places, like what I did an internship at uh, Los Alamos and you cross this bridge from the, the town of Los Alamos, like that's there around it. And you cross this bridge and, um, and it's like, then once you cross that bridge, you're like in um, Los Alamos national lab property. And then there's like a big giant sign that says like, as soon as you cross this bridge, you're on government property. And this is like, you know, there's like troops going around and like, you know, they're basically saying like, you know, we can stop your car. We can search you. We can do whatever the hell we yeah. want. Like it's like, it's a serious thing. Like, you know, and then you have places like our place, like PNL is like kind of like pretty laid back about the whole thing. Like, 
you just drive up to it and then there's a lot of security at the doors and stuff but it's not like it's like university hidden. yeah yeah it feels like not so hidden in the middle of nowhere but but most of them tend to be, I mean, that's probably because PNNL, the the main campus that we were at, uh, was not where the, the site was for the nuclear reactor. That's right. like way up right. north. Yeah, the and, site's way out there. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. huge history with these guys. It's it's, it's yeah, pretty cool. I think it's fascinating. I don't know that much about it, but kind of once once you start to learn a little bit more, you're like, oh wow, okay, this is this is kind of cool, you know, the origins of it all. But anyways. Um, so that's kind of what these places are, right? Um, and you might be sort of getting uh, some ideas about, um, you know, where you could learn more and what you could do if you wanted to um, try to pursue a job opportunity. But I would say probably the best place if you did want to learn more, you know, not from our um, discussion here. <laughs> you Although you learn a lot from us, like this yes. is this is yeah. this is the place this to is start as good for as sure. Gonna get. Like, forget it. <laughs> like, we got it. We got all the information. But you know, um, if you want a little more, you know, we if know. You need a few we, references. <laughs> our, our 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 PhD nation uh, listeners, they're 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 driven people, you know. So like, of course, they're gonna like search out every iota of information. So we understand. But but just know this is this is the real PhD right here. But, but go on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so there's obviously a bunch of different resources online. Um, but honestly, just, I would start, so like, um, I would start if you're interested in the Department of Energy Labs, look at the U.S. Department of Energy website and look at the national labs there. I've seen maps of where they all are, where you can learn more about each, um, what's it called? Lab. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> and um and obviously each lab has its own website and then yep. you can learn a little bit more i mean they're not going to be as you know, super super detailed about every single project that's going on but sure. it's going to give you an idea right it's going to yeah. even give you an idea of what are the departments you know the directives like, the mission statements right. this kind of thing exactly yeah. so you can kind of get a feel for okay this lab is really focused here this lab is really focused here you know, um, so that'll kind of get you a better flavor for like what's going on at each uh, particular location. Um, and then, yeah, so, and of course there's going to be all sorts of job posting websites, but I would always say just go directly to the, um, you know, the lab website if you're interested in looking, you know, at specific postings. Um, career fairs yeah. work well too, I think. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for like sure. they send they send people to career affairs and you can have on-site yep. interviews there and and that yep. can lead to other interviews as well so that's not a bad place right. to go to yep yeah although who knows what that will look like in the <laughs> the next couple of years Post-COVID, but, yeah, yeah 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 that's gonna be an interesting evolution of things but yeah um yeah so definitely websites you know just go direct to the lab um but yeah you'll find them on you know indeed and other job posting websites also um but yeah another speaking of job posting something that i thought was kind of interesting you know i didn't know that much about national labs until i you know honestly started doing these web searches reading figuring out okay what does this one do this one um and all that so but then when you kind of get into it you see okay wow there's like a lot of different levels of people like i kind of had this incorrect <laughs> um perception that the national labs were you know just a bunch of very seasoned uh senior scientists with phds but there are a ton of interns yeah um, 
you know, like young, yes, students coming in post, um, like there's post bachelor's, post master's, post docs. And these are all kind of like training and, you know, student ish esque (laughs) positions, um, which are really great if you're interested in National Lab, but maybe you're not interested in like a full time commitment. I mean, it's a full time job, like a 40 hour a week job, but it's not like a, okay, yeah, this is like, a full-time job sort of thing it's like a okay this is a two to three year contract um and you get a little bit of um freedom to work on a, a cool project as opposed to just like okay you really need to um you know find some stable funding and live off off of that yeah and, and i would say like obtaining these internships especially if you're a, a phd student uh holy cow or even undergrad student, if you're able to do that <laughs> They, they are such a good gateway. I mean, um, because you're going to be working for a team, some group, some whatever, and you're going to, if you do a really good job and you enthusiastic and kind of seem smart and you seem like you, you, you know, you know what you're doing, you're going to turn some heads. And then when it's time to hire, you can contact the same people again. And that that's probably your best way into a job, into the national system by far. And and then there's, you know, even if you don't want to work in national, let's say you're like, you know what, I hated it there. Like, it was the worst. Like, I, I want to want to go into industry or I want to, like, I want to do academia or whatever. Like, let's say, what, whatever. Uh, it's still on your resume. I mean, it's huge. I mean, if, if you have on your resume that I did an internship at uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory, you know, people are like, well, that's a really tough gig to get. Like, if they thought this person was, was pretty cool, like, they're probably pretty cool. Like, it, it just gives you, like, a nice stamp of approval. Because th- those are not easy to get, uh, but if you get them, th- it can it can just start a cascading waterfall of sorts. Because then all of a sudden, yep. you yeah, you get an internship, and then you you're there and you're doing your thing, and maybe you turn some heads, and and then you get a nice letter of recommendation from someone you work there um, for the next internship or the next place, and then and it just adds and adds and adds, and then like every it's just it seems like whenever you're going for a job. It seems like everybody is like, who has okayed this person to this point, right? And if it's just yeah. your advisor, you grow your it. network, right, right. And if it's just your advisor, it's like, okay, that's cool. But if it's like your advisor thinks you're cool, but so does like Sandia, and so does Dupont, where you like did an internship, and then and, and usually you get one after the other because it's, they keep, you know, I mean, these hiring managers they look and they go, well, look, this 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 group thinks they're this person's the cat's pajamas you know because that's what people say nowadays <laughs> and then they go okay sure like uh then they must be and so they then they hire you and it just kind of leads it's crazy how how cascading and waterfall like that can get and and lead to lead to positions like this and it's and for you it gives you a great experience on doing like actual phd research um and and what it's like to, to what it would be like to, to work in a place like that. So it's 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 good recon too for potential jobs, I think. So so yeah, yeah it's it's great totally. all if you can if you can get an internship, grab it. Like and they pay well. That's the other thing. It's like yeah. they, they, they really do. They pay pretty well compared to like most places. So uh that was like that was a big draw for me when I was like a That's first true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Um all right. Well, so another thing um, besides just all these different levels, right? Um, there are certain like special programs, um, like um, named fellowships at certain um, national labs. What's and up? I know Lou obviously knows uh, quite a bit about this. Um, so yeah. could you just touch on that a little bit? Because sure, sure. Wait, right, right. I should maybe just mention there's so for those 
interested in, you know, getting a PhD or maybe you have a PhD and you want to do a postdoc. Um, postdocs are great and there are, you know, there's tons of postdocs at national labs. Yeah. Um, but there's also, but there's not, not every postdoc is the same. So there's postdocs that you, um, you know, a PI has a lot of funding on a project or two or maybe three, but usually it's like a handful, like just a couple, you know, um, they have a bunch of funding and they, you know, need help executing the work and getting it done. So they hire a postdoc. You can kind of say, I mean, you probably saw postdocs at your university, um, kind of a similar ish model in, in some groups and stuff. Um, and so like, yeah, PI hires you in. Okay. There's other, uh, postdocs where you write a proposal. I mean, yeah, you, Lou, you, you explain it. Cause I actually don't really know the process. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun wonder wall of, of stress <laughs> and anxiety, but, but yeah, it's so, but okay. These are really good gigs. Like much like our previous episode in uh, academia, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, these P uh, these, these postdoctoral fellowships um, are phenomenal. Holy crap. If you can get one of them, you should totally get them. Uh, they are. So essentially what it is and, and every, just about every national lab has them and, and most have like a few. Right. So like Oak Ridge has like okay. three or four or something. Okay. And there's like, yeah, yeah. And there's like one for just energy stuff. And there's one for just this kind of thing. And, you know, like it, just start just searching. If you're a PhD student and you're and especially if you're a PhD student that that has an idea of what you want to work on, you're like, you let's say you're working on uh, whatever photovoltaics and you're like, I'm just like, and I have this great, like, I want to take this to the next level. And your PI is cool with you doing that. Like, um maybe they they don't want they don't want to take it that route and they're and they're like yeah go for it the cool thing is you just look online find out these opportunities and most of them will allow you to write a proposal essentially saying what you work on and if they okay it basically they'll pay you to to work on the work you want to do which is amazing it's like you're essentially Mm -hmm. the way i best describe it is you're you're a pi in a research group of one so you're like everything so you're you're the pi you're the you're the undergrad slave. You're the you're the postdoc. You know, working like driven, working like crazy. You're 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 all the aspects of it, but but it's your work and you have funding. So for for me, it was I, I was a jeez, uh, I hate to even say it. It sounds so like pompous. The the name of the fellowship, but it's the Linus Pauling Distinguished Fellow. So I don't know what that's called. I know distinguished is in there somewhere. Distinguished uh, fellowship. It's it's a an amazing fellowship, and it's uh, it was it was for me, and and it it's. And these are, like I said, in every national lab system, I basically had to write like kind of like a shorter pitch of sorts of what I wanted to work on. Then they accepted that and they were like, okay, great, you know, sell us some more. And then I sent some more stuff. And then it's like this long process. And I remember just being like, just going through the rigmarole of it and, and hoping that I would just capture like a PI's attention. Like that was like really what I wanted to do. Like, I was like, I'm not going to get these things. They're like almost impossible to get. Um, so I just put together a proposal and I remember I got some really good advice from somebody, a friend of mine, Brian, who's like, uh, not, not a scientist, but she's a, a school teacher. And she's like, she, she sits on these committees all the time, like getting applications for like new teachers. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's like, I get them. And they, they just like, most of them are just so boilerplate. Like when someone is like kind of interesting that comes through, then it just kind of 
piques my interest and makes me want to find out more about this person. And she was like, really nice. She's like, you're kind of a pretty interesting person. And your application sounds incredibly boilerplate and boring. Like, cause I, 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 stand <laughs> like, I wish to advance in science in this regard. And I, I want to. Robotic. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the standard boilerplate craft that was like, um, like I, I, you know, yeah. I look forward to, uh, you know, <laughs> next century or whatever, like just some, some kind of crazy, like usual stuff. And she's like, this reads so not you. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to go for it. What the hell? And so I just, I, so I answered, they had a bunch of questions for me to answer. And I'm like, this is where I'm going to come through. Like, I'm going to be like Lou. And so they were like, like, what's the biggest problem in your field? I'm like, ah, great question. Blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of went into it. And then they were like, how are you going to solve it? I'm like, that's my favorite part of the question. Like, how do we do this? Well, here, and I just kind of like went like super Lou personality into it. And I don't know if it, I don't know if I got the fellowship despite it or if it helped, but it, it, it probably helped because I, I'm sure Brian was right. Like people get like these like boilerplate applications and then something comes up. They're like, well, this one seems kind of interesting. Like, let's see if they have any work behind them. And then of course, then you need that too. You can't be like, Hey, this person seems clever and they have like no research. So, you, you know, I had like a lot of work and publications and I checked with my PI and I basically said like, this is what I want to propose. Is that cool? And like, you know, because you're going to be doing some of this work, follow up work as well. And, want to make sure like i can and he was like super yeah. nice about the whole thing he was like he's like you propose whatever the hell you want i'm fine with it like just get the job like you know and then and he goes later if you want to um work on the same stuff we're working on we can either collaborate or compete i'm totally fine with either way and i was like oh that's kind of hilarious and i was like oh we, we might actually be in competition he's like yeah yeah just just whatever makes them happy i'm fine and i was like okay cool so then i sent in the proposal uh and then and then they kept they kept, you know, upping it up. And then, then I was a phone interview and I'm like, Oh, this is getting serious. And I was a phone interview. So, and then I had to uh, at the phone interview kind of give a 15 minute talk, which was like a nightmare right? to just to try to put everything into 15 minutes. Uh, what you're trying to say, it was like really difficult and what you're trying to, to do at the lab, uh, at the national lab, if they accept you, but that, and then some of the people weren't in my, in my phone meeting. So I had to do it. I thought it went really well. And then I had to do it again. I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to like, catch lightning in the bottle twice that's like really annoying but i did it again and then like i got to the next stage which is uh the on-site interview and then i'm like oh shit like things are really serious now like i might actually get this then i uh, i go there and you basically give a one hour this is like almost like standard like uh job interview kind of thing you give your one hour talk you talk to the various people in the lab uh you potential new lab mates, all that stuff. And you're trying to impress the committee with, with what you're trying to do. And, and I got really good advice from the current, uh, at the time, the current PNNL fellows. And they were like, just, you know, you want to like make it seem like whatever you're going to do is have a tremendous impact. And, and I, you know, I kind of realized how I'm going to get this fellowship is by letting them know how, what I'm doing fits with what they want to do. And this is really important. You want to make sure your stuff aligns with what, what they want, because I mean, they're obviously that's going to play a role. Like you can't just be like, I'm going to reinvent this amazing thing. And they're like, well, if this doesn't fit into what we want, like it doesn't like they, they're not probably going to hire you. So I did, I did that. And I put together a talk based around, you know, I did some research, like Liz says on the website, find out what they're into, um, try to explain how your stuff fits into that. And then, you know, I gave my talk that went well. I felt like the questions went well. And then, you know, like a few months later, I found out I got the gig and I was like completely like blown away. I was like, I can't believe I got this. And then I had 
like a three-year contract to do whatever the hell I wanted. I mean, what I proposed, but I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that's usually you need like 10 or 20 years of research in like, to be like this, like well-known scientist to, to have that kind of like freedom. But I had it like out of a, out of a PhD program, which is crazy. And so it was, it's, if you can get these, go for it like and, and you have like and you know what you want to work at. you can't be like hey i like doing science like tell me what to do like you they want people who like they're like this is the next step in my field this is what i think we should be doing and this is how i want to do it and if you give me funding i'll make it happen and and make it happen for all of us like pnl will be better for it or oak ridge or whoever and that's kind of mm-hmm. how you have to approach these things and 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 then there's a lot of hoping you know because like the other like now as as a polling fellow i've seen a lot of these other talks uh when they come up and i'm just like all 10 of them are amazing you're just like oh my god these people are all so talented like how the hell did i get this gig and geez i, I could just imagine the other people who didn't get it must have been amazing but it's it could be due to alignment due to like a bad day when they give a talk or who knows what like it, you know it gets it gets to a point where it's like uh there's a lot of really talented people going for the same thing I, yeah. I know I spoke a lot, but I am just going to say one quick story. Like, uh, yeah, Elias, Elias, also a Pauling fellow, was yes. uh, came up uh, when when I was a Pauling fellow. So I met with him. Like the first time I met him was he was um, he was he applied to the program and he made it all the way down to the interviews. And I was like really excited because uh, I, now I got to be the the helpful you know veteran. Uh, fell the polling fellow that that got to like try to like tell them to calm down everything's cool like you know hopefully everything goes well and um uh jim diorio who's like um like uh research group was next to mine and I, I got to know him pretty well and got to hang out with in his lab and he's like a guy i kind of like semi-idolized so i was like really like it's like oh he's, he lets me hang out in his group meetings he's so cool and then uh so I, when i bumped into elias and he came up i was like oh jim told me he's like Look, be on the lookout for Elias. Like he's somebody I'm hoping he gets this gig. So like, you know, um, so try to set him at ease and everything. I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. And so when I met Elias, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm Luis, uh, um, Luis Estevez. I'm, I'm one of the poly fellows. And then Elias was like, Oh, I heard about you. Jim said you're a friend of his. And I was like, he said I'm his friend. Did he? And then I totally, <laughs> I totally, I ignored all my, like, uh, uh trying to help Elias and I just became all about me. I was like, I was like, what else did he say? Did he say I'm yeah. he say I, he liked me better than this guy? Like, really, like I was like totally like all fanboying about the fact that that and, and he was like, Yeah, so what's the fellowship? Like, forget the fellowship. Like, tell me more about Jim. Jim sounds really it's like he's really cool. Like, he, what else did he say about me? Did he say how much does he like me? Is it like is, Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I did try to help Elias a lot, but it was but I remember just like being completely blown away by it. I was like, oh my God, Jim thinks I'm cool. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm his friend. Yeah, yeah. That's great. But Elliot yeah. became a fellow as well. And, you know, and he's, 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 he still is. He's still kicking butt doing this thing. Yeah. One fellowship that, um, yeah, so Lou was just mentioning, you know, these are competitive, right? So, yeah, yeah. probably, you know, cast a wide net. Yeah. <laughs> um, certainly, if you find a bunch, you know, apply to what you can. Yeah, the polling. That, um, the, yeah. Just really quickly, the polling was my second one. I applied to one okay, in Oak Ridge yeah. that I didn't get. So yeah, just yeah. just send yeah. There's yeah, all over, right? Um, send there's them out. also, I know that the National Research Council, I think, is NRC, but not 
the NRC I think of, um, the new, not the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. <laughs> the National <laughs> Research Council has some fellowship that actually it's a little bit different than the, uh, the Pauling Fellowship that Lou was talking about. It's where you write a proposal, but there's like a list of institutions where you could pick a mentor and stuff. So like you could propose a topic and then be like, oh, I'm going to work at Army Research Lab. I'm actually not sure if that's on the list. But, you know, for example, sure. you know, so that could um, be another option as as well. Um, but, yeah, so I think one question probably kind of, Lou, you've talked about it a little bit, was I wanted to ask everyone, why did you choose a national lab? Uh. I can start by briefly just saying uh how I got here was maybe different than why I've chosen to stay, but <laughs> interesting. Um, that sounds really interesting, actually. No, I mean I don't know. So the the reason I came here was my advisor had no funding at the time, gotcha. or minimal. It was it was like you know, money had to be found, sort of thing. And I was like, all right, job applications, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was looking actually for things like I go somewhere work on my PhD topic and like just work there or something. Maybe there's a funding opportunity for that. Whatever. That's kind of how I did my master's. Um, so I was looking for those and then an internship came up out at PNL. I applied and I was like, no way am I getting this. I don't even have these skills, but That's eh. totally <laughs> <skills>. yeah, <laughs> I like actually didn't have some of those skills, but um, it turns, <laughs> out, turns out you can learn. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I applied. Uh, I got the job, came out here. Um, but then, yeah, like, I mean, Lou was talking about this earlier. Like, you kind of get somewhere, maybe you make some connections, you grow, you meet new people. You're Like, the, an inter- the internship for me was, like, kind of a gateway. That, you know, I didn't stay just because, oh, there's money here, whatever. You know, I kind of lear- uh, met new people. Uh, learn more about different kinds of work. Turns out PNL is, has a much more diverse uh, set of, you know, research goals than I ever thought. Um, and yeah, which is, you know, one kind of reason that I think this place is kind of cool. But um, yeah, but certainly as you stay somewhere, your network grows your opportunity for working on different projects, learning new skills, et cetera, that also grows, um, which is related to why I stayed, right? You know, um, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a necessity sort of uh, choice, uh, whereas the internship kind of was. <laughs> but yeah, Lou, Raj, do you guys have any um, other comments on why you chose a national lab versus, say, industry or maybe an academic postdoc? For me, it was uh, it was kind of so. I first of all, I did after my PhD. Uh, even during my PhD, I was kind of leaning towards industry mm-hmm. anyway because I I personally don't feel like I can. Uh, I don't have the mindset for because it it requires a lot of other skills to be a professor, uh, assistant professor to begin with. Uh, which I, I personally don't think I have, or at the time I didn't had. Uh, and my interest lied somewhere, uh, which, would, which which was more aligned to an industry job. 
So I was only I was only looking for an industry job until I saw this uh, postdoc opportunity at PMNL, and I applied for it just as a as a, as a practice, you know, for an interview practice. That was my intention. Like I didn't really think That's of nice. much. Uh, I was like, eh, what it doesn't hurt me in, in applying. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll apply and see what it's about. Because it was the the description said. Uh, they were looking for someone with a atomic layer diversion uh, background, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is interesting." So, because they were looking for someone who has my expertise, and I was like, eh, "Let's check it out." So, during the interview, I learned that it was actually for it was not a typical postdoc. Um, um, they were looking for someone for this background because they had a uh, they had a potential uh, company project, uh, company sponsored project, basically. Uh, to come develop a product, um, and um, all they said this is a Fortune 500 company, and um, they wanted to have us uh, a, a team member who can help uh, come up with some different interfacial materials uh, for their silicon carbon composite uh, design that they have. Um, so. Yeah, and it, it seemed like a, a interesting approach because for me, and they said, you are not allowed to publish. And I was like, that's no then essentially a company job because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a researcher, there is no difference. Once you say there is no publication, I was like, yeah, that's that's essentially what you do when you are in a company. Yeah. And they said like, yeah, but your patents are fine. I was like, again, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like. Huh. Okay. So I feel like that that sounds interesting because I will, even though I will be working in a national lab, but I will be part of this tiny group where our mission is completely different than everybody around us. So I just uh, and it, and they liked my presentation and everything, and yeah, I <laughs> I got hired for that. So and yeah, it was good. It was a good experience. We did good job, and yeah. I, I will say Rajar did, did get uh, some publications. One of them uh, is a paper that we were on together. So I agree. Nice. And and so, again, I, I didn't want to mention right now. I, I was, maybe I was later on. But it, even though I was part of this, this super secretive <laughs> company project, uh, they allowed me to work on, you know, different projects and, and, and help other people. And, and so I was like, I met Lou. And, uh, and he was, yeah, as like, forget as, it. Love it as, first as everyone all know about the great saga of uh, AIM uh, company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he it, it was the the breeding ground of AIM uh, at PNNL. Right, you mean so I, I get to be part of that, the tiny way possible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We have a paper together. Yes, that that's really cool. Like that's fun. That's like to me, it's like well, so it's it's this great um, convergence of different things, right? Like for yeah. I was I was working on my polling fellowship stuff, which is like my own stuff, which is great. Like I I have a mentor who's like mentoring me, of course, and guiding my efforts, and they have these in place. But they were very clear with me. They were like, if their mentor, you should listen to them because they they're experts and they know what they're talking about. But it is. Ultimately, if it gets down to it, it's your project. So if you want to take it in a certain direction, that's up to you. And I was like, holy cow. Like, I'm just like, like they, they, they're putting a lot of faith into me. Like, this is crazy. But like, but because of that, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm like, oh, I need some some help 
for you, from someone of Rajan's expertise. Perfect. And I'm like, and I'm like, hey, Rajan, can you help me with this? He's like, yeah, whatever, let's do it, man. And it was just like, that to me was like so great about like having this fellowship. It was just got to work with whoever the hell I wanted to. And like, on, of course, you have to be productive. I mean, it's not like you can just be like, hey, this is great. I'm just going to explore like, you know, uh, how 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 to clip fingernails properly into a waste bin? You know, like, okay. <laughs> but you have to you have to you know you have to really be productive because I mean they're putting a lot of money and investment into you and they expect that and you kind of feel like a lot of pressure because everybody else is one of these like polling fellows. I mean you got Elias as an example. I mean how the hell like can you compete with some crazy guy like Elias? But like like but everybody is like so super like. Uh, impressive you're like talking to them it's like yeah i was hanging out with brock last night like what the hell like these people are crazy like like how the hell am i gonna like (laughs) like like, how the hell am i gonna hang with these people but it's it's so you kind of feel a lot of internal pressure to like produce but you have a ton of freedom to decide how you're gonna do that so to me it's like amazing so yeah i i loved working Mm -hmm. with rajan on that and 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 so many other things it was like it's like uh yeah and just to follow up on what you were saying liz and, and your question and everything and why I like the National Lab. Sure, I, I, I got into it because of the Pauline Fellowship. But essentially, I wanted to work in the National Lab regardless of if I had a fellowship or not. So that to me was like uh, just just the icing on the cake. So uh, I and the reason was when I was uh, an undergrad, I managed to get one of these internships at, at Los Alamos, actually. And I worked with uh, I worked on this cool project. Actually, it's the whole reason I decided to get a PhD was because I did some research. And the, the only reason I I did this internship is because it paid really well. And I was like, this is great. Like I can make some money and like doing some science. That sounds great. And I was a mechanical engineer and I and I was working on this um these these aluminum plates and we were put like little cracks, little fatigue cracks in them, and then these piezoelectrics all over them to try to detect the cracks. Like basically the idea was like you could stick these things on a plane. And then it could constantly be monitoring the plane for these tap cracks. And of course, the project didn't work. It was like, it was too annoying for lots of reasons I'm not going to get into. But it was like, everyone told us it was impossible and they were right. And and it, even though it was a total failure, I'm like, holy crap, this is so much fun. Like just doing work that no one has done before. And then I'm like, how do you get a job like this? It's like, you guys are like, you guys are like stealing money. Like, this is fun. This is great work. Like, how do you get paid to do this? And they were like, you get a PhD. And I was like, okay, I'll get a PhD. And then then I did that. And then, and then that made me think, okay, I need to, uh, I, I want to, I want to revisit this. I like the national lab atmosphere. I don't like the way they do things. And, and to me, it was like a perfect place where you can, at least this is me theoretically thinking at the time, but uh, where you can just do a lot of research and that's all that really matters. And, and you don't have to teach classes and you don't have to, you know, um, and you can, you can, it's, it's kind of like in between the way I saw it was in between industry and uh, academia, and it kind of like you have some research, like very research heavy, like academia, but uh, like in the, but stuff that is going to make a direct impact because it's usually like federal government directives of what they need. So I'm like, okay, this is where I can really make a mark. That's probably oversimplified too, by the way, but but it's kind of the way I saw it, and that's and that's why I went that route myself. But then I got the Pauline Fellowship, and I'm like, holy crap, like this is great. <laughs> it's like I can't believe I, I yeah yeah I totally agree with Lou's comment about national lab being in between industry and academia it's 
the mission at a national lab is going to be very different. Well, okay, not very, but you're only focused on research, right? There's no teaching. There's yeah. no element of student learning um, as much. Like, yeah, there's certainly student learning and training through these positions, like the internships, postdocs, et cetera, but it's not the main mission of, you know, the institute, like the university. So, mm-hmm. right, so you have a lot of researchers um, and a lot of scientists and f- fewer, like, students where it's like, you know, university is huge student body and fewer professors and things like that. Um, so that I, that's kind of, I guess I should, you know, also add, that's why I kind of wanted to be at a national lab to focus on research um, and kind of that aspect of um, my career versus... Same. You know, maybe teaching or something, you know. Um, We're lab rats. To, we yeah. <laughs> jump in the lab and just crank out science. That's what we do. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I like interacting with students, um, but I'm not sure if right now I would want that to be like a, you know, a main focus of my job. But, um, but anyways, uh, yeah. Anything to add on that? Not. I think uh that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I think we nailed yeah. that. No. That's that yeah. is okay. what it's okay. like. So now yeah. 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 So now, um, I guess yeah, I wanted to just also say we can briefly touch on what does your life look like if you were to be a staff member, you know. How's bells? You get you get to hang yeah. out with Elias and Rajan and <laughs> all day. It is that is the best. Oh no, Rajan's actually no longer the national lab either. No, nope. get to hang out with Liz and Elias. I mean, what else do you want in this life? Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. Although nobody's doing a lot of hanging out these days. That, true, true, true. I forgot about the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> that's still that, happening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was just thinking through a couple perks and, you know, maybe not perks. You know, how do you say that nicely? Some downsides maybe yeah there you go. Um, so yeah, to me nice. yeah yeah sure um so the perks to me uh the things that come to mind are you know you're at a huge research facility okay maybe yeah. not huge but like it's large right you know it's a large research facility um that means there's a lot of resources in terms of equipment you know typically yes, right this also, yep this is but although this is definitely going to vary based on what you yeah. do and what you use right but that's kind of a, a general statement. You know, you have nice facilities um, and cool there are probably a lot of, or at least, you know, a handful of experts in the in your field and you can learn from them and work with them, which is really exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, um, there's a lot, mm, a lot is not specific, but it seems like there's a little bit more money for things like equipment or consumables maybe than you might be and you might have access to it on a university budget. This is like, you know, a lot of asterisks here being like, you know, very project dependent and that's uh, yeah, I was about and, to say that that really depends. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's this is that was my experience. I found there was a little bit more penny pinching at university university and you know a little bit more like well if you need to get the research on you pay for it yeah <laughs> um yeah you know at a national level um so that's gonna those are a couple uh, perks in in my opinion i guess one more thing to add would be you're at um a place where you 
depending on the lab, a lot of times you can basically work with whoever you want, whatever directorate they're on on any project, kind of like how, you know, your, your collaboration, your guys' work together. You just, you know, you have all these scientists you're surrounded by with, so you can just work with them. You know, that's kind of neat. Where university sometimes is a little bit more insulated. Um, but yeah, do you guys have, can you think of any other perks I missed? I, I would just give a huge giant disclaimer of like results will vary. Like anything that I say yeah. or any of it that us, uh, any of us say it's yeah. like I've even within PNL, even within the same building or within the same, like yeah. your, you, your job descriptions yeah. will vary tremendously. You'll be like, it's like, this is, uh, I, I haven't slept for like a week and I cry in the corner of my lab to people being like, this is the wonderland of awesomeness. You know, it's like, so it's it's really going to depend uh, pretty heavily on um, on your your PI and and the group yes. you work with and the the culture that they bring because everybody's their own little fiefdom. So it's it's a less yep. I would say it's less uniform than even university or even uh, industry. It's like really way more dependent on where you work. I, 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 in academia, it's going to really depend on who you work with. Yes, that's true. But there's a general department kind of like. Uh, that permeates throughout the whole thing. Whereas I don't know in national lab, I think it's, it can vary dramatically depending on uh, what, you know, who, what, what group you're working for, what directorate you're working for. Like it's, they want different things like some directorate or some places that you're working uh, within the national system are like crank out papers, crank out papers, crank out papers. Not, and so you're almost like an academic. And in some, they're like, we don't care about papers. We don't care about papers. Like just yeah. crank, crank out work and, and, and see if there's a route to commercialization or see if whatever. Yeah. Uh, or or maintain the nuclear stockpile like you know or yeah or the security (laughs) concerns or whatever yeah yeah yeah. so so but for me i i think uh like a a really nice perk is uh it's kind of what we touched on before but like i'll I'll kind of say it a little bit again um that you get to do a lot of research without having to teach or or worry about teaching it which is like to me is like awesome like of course uh and, and but and it's and if you're going for a staff scientist position which is like kind of like they're like the pis uh of the of the national lab system as a staff scientist and then you have postdocs working for you and, and maybe even some students like um those type of positions are kind of like your your academic pi positions without tenure though but like uh generally pretty solid and stable positions in general and and what's nice is then you get to do a bunch of research direct the research, still get to do this mentor mentee thing, which I really love, like with students and, and postdocs and anybody else. So you have your own little fiefdom, but you don't have a teaching requirement. Now, of course, that's a negative too, because you don't pull, you're not pulling in money from your teaching requirement. Like, you know, like uh, professors. Or the stability. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So there's a little less like, like, you know, in academia, it's like, once you get tenure, especially it's like, I don't know if you want to like, if you want, if now, if you want to like spend all your time researching, like, uh, you know, nail clipping project projectiles into your waistband, like go for it. Like, I guess you can, like, I would, <laughs> like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be looked up upon, but, but I mean, it's, it's a little more like that where you have a complete freedom. And whereas uh, at a national lab, it's different. Like you have to make sure you're, you're hitting your, what what they want as far as the directives and you're you're um you're you're definitely make, making your deliverables happen so uh you know it's like we're, we expect a battery that can do this this that and this and you better be hitting those deliverables so it's a little like it's a little more structured uh 
but you know, it's 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 a little different. It just depends on what you, what what you're into. Uh, but to me, it spoke to me. The whole doing research and being able to have your own little research fiefdom without having to teach sounded really kind of nice. I mean, I like teaching, but I'm like, I don't want to be taken out of the lab. So I was like, uh, so to me, that was that was what that's what I like. So that I think that's the biggest perk I think for me is like you get to like you get to just crank out research and not worry as much about. Um, being a professor so i so that's cool although i've i've noticed as i get older in life i i tend to uh not that this will ever happen but like a tenure position sounds cooler and cooler to me as i as i go through. i'm like yeah that'd be kind of fun to be like crotchety old teacher like teaching classes or something like sounds kind of fun <laughs> yeah. like, that's old man lou he <laughs> he likes to freeze things and live with nitrogen he's crazy <laughs> gosh yeah but that's me. That's that. That's what I find uh, perks and downsides and that kind of thing. Rajan, do you have anything? Or yeah. now that we've covered everything and and left you nothing? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what's. I can chime in with a downside. Yeah. Oh, go! Oh, yeah. yes! Come yeah. on! Go! Go! Yeah. Go! Friend. Important, go, important go, things. Tell us. <laughs> Where do I begin? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I would say a downside. Some people might think of this maybe as an upside. Um, so you're kind of living on soft money, at least in True. our model, right? You're living on yeah. soft money. So that means every year you got to make sure you're covered because right. you need to eat. And <laughs> so... Yeah, do you want to describe what soft money is just in case? Oh, yeah. So soft money is just like, yeah, so you're not in a tenured position. So you're writing proposals, winning money, and that money lasts for a certain period of time, you know. 100k over you know two years or something um but that money um say that's one project but you have a certain cost per hour that you know you need to cover and to get your salary so you need to have a certain uh you know you need to bring in a certain amount of money to cover yourself and then anybody else you want to have work on that that project not sure if that really defines soft money uh anything else what am i missing it's it's not like um it's it's like it's temporary what? money. It's kind of what it is. It's, it's soft yeah, yeah, because exactly. it's kind of temporary. It's like yeah. it's it's and it's somewhat elusive and it's somewhat like it's 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 very rare that you have um, an ongoing project that's going to be like a twenty year project where it's like you're you're constantly right. getting money or or like uh, in academia where you have you know the the institution kind of backing you and because you teach yeah. you're, you're you're always pulling in some kind of money to, to do your basic research it's you are completely at the whim of of what you're able to bring in so right you know when you first come in and you first start working as a staff position you you kind of do junior staff first and when you're junior staff that means you're doing stuff like a pi running stuff like a pi but you're not bringing in money like a pi and then as soon as you bring in your own money then you get then it's like okay this person knows how to run a group they know how to manage people they know how to get work done uh, and, and now this person's bringing in money that they're staff scientists and then you become like you know more of a seniorish level staff scientist where like yeah. now you're bring and now you have to constantly be bringing in money because as soon as you don't then you have to either uh tell postdocs hey try to find a job somewhere else or like you know or or like or, or maybe even be out of a job yourself like so so the soft money aspect is 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 very uh um you know uh, definitely pr present at a national lab uh mm -hmm. 
and and in a lot of places uh, outside of academia like that's and that's true that's a good call that's that's yeah, that is yeah. definitely so one of the downsides that's yeah that's kind of a downside and um because of that because uh well not because of that but another thing that kind of goes along with this is a lot of the time you're working on multiple projects which some people might really like because they kind of like multitasking doing a bunch of different things working with sure. a bunch of different people but i mean a lot of people might not a lot of uh, some people might just be like i want to work on two projects and stay focused, right? Which is nice. You know, you have a little bit more time to really dive deeper into topics or whatever. Um, but sometimes, you know, funding-wise, that's not super feasible. Sometimes you might be working on five to eight projects or, or so um, because that's how the funding is working. Um, so I think those are the two things that come to mind, you know, the soft money, and then you might have to multitask a little bit more than is comfortable. <laughs> yep. yeah i i think uh, yeah i think that that hits a lot of the upsides and downsides um i think that, that did we mention the pay the pay is usually a little better if you're a postdoc at a national lab that's nice a postdoc I mean, or i would say you know i don't really know the difference between staff members and assistant professors um eh, would i would say on level but i, I would I almost say know. it's kind of probably comparable right so if you're yeah. you're at like a really like uh, a, a you know prestigious university, you're making tons of money. Or like if you're, yeah, I guess the national lab is like kind of in the I middle-ish. Mean, and so, yeah. and if you're at uh, um, an assistant professor at, at a, a smallish school, like you may not make as much. But if you're at like a big school, uh, like Princeton or whatever, you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna be making more money. So it's yeah. it, that. So it's it's. I would say it's comparable. But as a postdoc, you definitely make more money. Yeah. Uh, at a yeah. national lab than you do at an academic lab, and and the research yep. is just as good, and the prestige is just as good. So it's like if you mm. if it's if it's a, I mean obviously most people do postdocs are looking for academic positions or just doing something until they figure out what they want to do or who knows what, but. Um, a postdoc at a university or postdoc at a national lab, it's almost the same. It's just who you work for, right? And so, right. And so if any, everything else is equal, then uh, uh, the the national lab postdoc has got that extra bonus of being um, better paid. Like, I think they're like, mm -hmm. what, like 60 or 70K a year or something, I think. For a mm, postdoc? More than, wait, more more than that. Oh yeah! Wow, that's pretty good. Like for for a national postdoc, it's it's yeah. So wow, yeah. that's great. I, um, I, and so academic postdocs they're like you know barely get paid more than a PhD. So it's like usually like thirty five. Yeah, I think forty something. That's a big yeah, plus. No, no, there's, yeah, I think it's closer. There, there's a there's like a floor now. I think at least in the U.S. we're yeah they change the rules. Yeah. Yes, so yeah, I think is, your minimum. Is, Okay, this yeah. is outdated information but, by me. Yeah, yeah. So the minimum I think at university might be around fifty to fifty-five, and then really, holy cow, that's yeah, it's a little bit higher now. When when I was uh, in at uh, when I was a PhD, I, I, our postdocs I think were making. I was like shocked when I found out they were like barely yeah. making forty k, and I was like, "Are yep. you serious? Like, oh my, you guys are like really yeah. smart and really like accomplished." And they're yeah. like, "They're like, yeah, I know, like." Tell me about it. <laughs> like they were yeah, just yeah. Like... yeah, it's a little bit better now. Oh, that's that's um, good. That's good to hear. That's great. Yeah. Any other downsides, perks? Uh, hmm, I think that's about it. I for, yeah. uh, as far as I can think of. 
Okay. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to kind of touch on was just the transition. So, okay. If these perks sound good to you, you know, and you do get a postdoc at a national lab or something, you know, it's something that people kind of think about is how, if I'm a postdoc, how do I become a staff member? Like, how do you make that transition? Um, and I'm not necessarily an expert on this, but I've like learned a little bit about it in the recent past um, and from others around me. And I mean, this is going to be super organization dependent. It's just, yeah, you know, yeah. it, whatever organization you're in or whatever organization you're going to move to, you know, they, there's different expectations for their staff members. So it's kind of tough to generalize. Yeah. Lou. I will say this, like, um, this is probably true for, this is probably not situationally dependent. If you're able to show a lot of initiative as far as procuring money, I hate to say like money is the, the source of like I mean, everything, it's important. but it's, it's a huge <laughs> factor with a lot of these things. So if you're like, and, and a lot of times postdocs can't um, uh, be the PI on a proposal, right? Uh, but you can be, you can go, if you have a PI that you have a good relationship with, you'd be like, I would like to target this and write the whole thing for it and just put it under your name. Like, then that's like, you know, for me, as if I was a PI, I'd be like, sure, like, go for it, man. Like, if you want to do yeah. that. And and if you can demonstrate you can actually bring in money, that goes a long way to, towards uh, showing that you can you can do it as a PI. And that's ultimately, I mean, it's not the most important thing, but it's a huge important thing. Because if you can't bring in money, you can't, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how accomplished you are, you can't get the work done. So that's kind of like this unfortunate um uh, or maybe it's fortunate. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of like a glossed over aspect of, of it because we're like doing science for the, for the love of science and everything. But, but honestly you need money to, to make it happen. So if you can show that you can make money, I think you greatly improve your case for being a PI and, and, or if yep. you're, if you're, uh, let's say you're a postdoc and you're doing this at a national lab because you want to, um, uh, go into academia that's a really nice thing to have in your resume too. Like uh, if you're, if you, you know, write this proposal and get it accepted and you can't run it cause you're not the PI and your PI is right. Your PI is going to be really grateful and write you a really nice letter of recommendation and basically say that and say like this funding was obtained, you know, mostly because of Liz just being ridiculously awesome and grab this, <laughs> this, chunk, this, this three years of funding. And, and you know, now like we're, we're living life like, high in the hog because of her blah, blah blah then they go oh look let's can let's can bring in money that's important like and so you know mm -hmm. that looks favorable upon you wherever you go like uh, so right. so i think so that's a good way to just try to you know try to take see what the next steps are like what's expected of the next steps and show that you can do it and then you generally are able to 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 get those positions because it's like well i mean they, they already can do it. So it's like, why don't we hire them and just or promote them or go into this level? I think that that really can, yep. I think that's pretty across the board. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Good strategy. Yeah. Um, I'll say that for me, like personally, I think that a thing that helped was, I mean, I kind of also had to do this just, you know, for my postdoc job, but I started working on a bunch of different projects with multiple PIs so the like like more senior pis okay. that had money and so then when it came time for discussing you know funding for a staff conversion it wasn't just one person having to you know put up all this money 
That's was a good point. Multi- yeah. yeah, it was like multiple people saying I could cover 30% of retirement. I could cover 20%, something like that. Um, so maybe that's not the case in all groups, all labs or whatever, but um, that's um, something I've seen. Is it was, it was definitely helpful. It was with me yeah. too. Like I, when I yeah. was uh, looking to possibly stay at PNL, I went to UDRI actually. Yeah. That was a great opportunity for me. But like I was looking to possibly stay at, at PNL, I was basically doing the same thing. I was like, okay, I can yeah. work X percent here and X percent there mm-hmm. and bring my yeah, so that that's yeah that's that, then of course that might be great for some people, but for some people who don't like working on multiple projects, that might be right. we get back to that thing. But but if you're yeah. cool with that's that, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. But if you're cool with that and you're cool with working on multiple projects, that, that's that's a good way to kind of uh, spread the pain of your salary around a little bit and 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 kind of uh, be able to to work on a couple of different interesting projects too. If you want to spin yeah. it nicely, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's kind of all I have on making the transition. Um, and we already went over where you can learn more, which is the internet. Um, the internet. <laughs> the interwebs. <laughs> so, yep, use that Google search bar. Um, and beyond that, whatever professional network you already have, I mean, even if you your professor knows someone that works at a national lab, maybe you're interested in that national lab, like ask yeah. for a connection or an introduction. Hell's bells. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, like I, it's a, I mean, it's like every other job. Most of them are through connections. So just yep. you'll know somebody who knows somebody, or your PI will know somebody, and and just work those connections if you want to get. Again, cannot stress it enough. Get an internship at one of these places. Like it's it starts. That's the me. that's the best. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it opens up doors like crazy, and so start looking at them mm-hmm. now. Like uh, you know, while you're while you're still a student, and and some of them are okay with you doing some of your research for your thesis at their like it just depends on your pi and it depends on the place you're doing your internship but if they really like your work i mean it could turn into like a whole semester long thing or a whole year long thing where you spend it at a national lab and they're like helping fund your and your pi might be like great like if you're like funding them like then that go for it like and Mm -hmm. and then yeah so you never know like what what can happen from these opportunities like yeah i national lab is awesome like i i think it's it's a really cool system it's they're doing they're doing the work that and really behind the scenes, like people don't like, I think national lab is awesome at everything it does except for selling itself. Like I, some, some sell themselves a little bit better. Like, but honestly, like no, like if you ask anybody except people who are either scientists or in the battery world, nobody knows that batteries are because of the national lab. Like the lithium ion battery was basically invented in, due to a large part, the uh, Argonne national lab, like, that's yep. correct right Roger? yeah so it's like yeah. like i mean you know uh rajan's good buddy good enough was the <laughs> one, of, one of the major ones but i mean the lithium-ion battery that that is a national lab um ba- you know uh basically invention like that and and yeah. that, there's stan I mean, uh stan whittingham uh correct dr Mantiram, that's right uh dr good enough yeah all these people yeah part of this national lab uh, the cathodes were invented in in uh in argon, argon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so like, and, and th- I, there's so much that happens there. And if you want to be a part of like changing the world, I, I know that sounds hokey, but it's, I mean, it's happening. You have, you have all kinds of really amazing work happening in national labs and a lot of it behind the scenes. So if you're like, you know, if, if you're a glory hound, that might not be for you. 
but like they're they're trying they're trying to like get out the you know the uh into pr campaigns like all the cool stuff that you know we do at a national lab blah blah blah. but for for the most part people are like oh yeah the manhattan project that's that's cool that was like we we built like it's like one small thing i know it's like we've that's what that's that's just a catalyst event that started the whole system you know it was like all it was Mm -hmm. and and we do so much like the whole field of MEMS, uh, 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 micro electromechanical systems. Thank you, yep. micro electromechanical systems. Like that was that's like a Sandia thing, I believe, right? Like yes, it is like a Sandia a, thing, definitely. Yep. Gosh, I know this stuff. Like I just well, I was a MEMS engineer. Like I, I, I that was my master's. Yeah, uh, nice, nice. But like that, that's so cool. Like there's so many things that that happen at National Lab. So I, I, you know. I will say, like, definitely give it a good hard look if you if you're into doing research and into doing research that has uh, a potential to impact and a potential to impact, especially the the U.S. Um, directives and 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 its ability to to do what it wants to do. Like, that's that's a that's a pretty good place to go, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, something that the last thing I will will say is that's something my dad told me a long time ago, kind of stuck with me about National Labs, which is what originally kind of piqued my interest. And so my dad, after he finished grad school, he worked for the government, but he was in more um, like a project manager kind of role, like sitting in DC. And I remember he said, yeah, I didn't really love it too much because you know all the real work, all the really interesting on the grounds kind of work was happening at all the national labs. He would travel to them and see and look at the people doing their real work and, or, you know, what he would say, the, the real work. Um, and I was like, <laughs> so all the cool work was being done over there, you know? Um, and yeah, that kind of stuck with me and kind of, I thought, okay, well, if that's kind of, you know, where the magic is happening, I want to see what it's all about. Um, You're a wizard, a experience. wizard, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> You're a that wizard. Seems- <laughs> yeah, <but> anyway <laughs> that's awesome i i kind of like that and i don't think he's wrong <laughs> yeah know, i think he, there was something there um, a lot of cool stuff happens there yeah so definitely sure. check out websites obviously email us if you have any questions yeah yeah totally uh yeah we love your emails guys yep thank you totally. thank you oh and and i will say uh shout out at before we go to uh Cornell University. I I was invited to be part of the industry panel. That was very exciting for me. Wow! Like, uh, oh, yeah, nice. I was like, it's high it honors. Was, it, I mean, you know, honestly, prodigal like, son returns. Yeah, I don't, don't want to like uh, make myself sound too too awesome, but but <laughs> there is something um, really uh, cool about you know be like the last time I was at that place, I was like just trying to stay above water and being like, oh my god, how am I going to survive? Like like. You know, it's and at this point now they're like, "Hey, we have this, you know, this this guy that we want on our panel who's going to, who supposedly like the reason I'm supposed to be there is that I know a few things and I'm sort of like somewhat successful in what I've done, which is like shocking to me because like when I think back to my days at Cornell, I was just, again I was just trying to survive. So for all you PhD students out there that they're also just trying to survive and just being like, "Holy crap, I." dealing with imposter syndrome, dealing with like all the stuff we have to deal with, like as PhD students, it, it does get to another side where all of a sudden you're part of the the, the crew or, or get accepted into the, the fold. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I, 
I guess I sort that was like almost like my I guess I sort of made it kind of moment. It was it was really exciting, like to to be on the other side of the fence and be on the panel where people were talking with other like really impressive people, by the way. And, um, and I remember when these panels would come to the university and I'd be like, Oh man, I could never like, like be one of these types. Like they're just, they, they have their shit together so well. <laughs> like, so, like, and I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. And, but it's, it's, it's amazing how, you know, you emerge out of it and you actually, you, you end up okay with like a lot of really important skills and a lot of uh, really important abilities and and it does get better and it and it and all of a sudden i mean you still get imposter syndrome you still get all the other things you still get stress anxiety but it it does lessen a bit more and you kind of feel like okay look i know how to what i'm talking about here and i you kind of feel a little bit better and it's it's kind of it's kind of nice so just to shout out to all the shout out to, to cornell for having me over shout out to the students that were like awesome and did like showed all showed off all the great research they were doing and 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 just letting you guys know it's it's a, it's okay what you're feeling. It's totally normal. There's another side, and it's it, and it's glorious. It's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> there is yeah. another side. I love yeah, that. There is. Okay. All right, guys. Till next time. Yeah. Awesome Thanks. show. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Rock on, yeah. right?